Election College, episode number 277, Thomas R. Marshall, part two. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Jason, when we last left our listeners, our beautiful, faithful listeners, we were talking about Thomas Marshall's assassination attempt or the assassination attempt on Thomas Marshall. Wouldn't that be interesting? I mean, it's it's like we've never heard of anybody ever being the vice president and trying to assassinate somebody else. Never, ever heard that, especially with anybody like, you know, Alexander Hamilton or anything. But uh, in this in this one, we talked about uh, Thomas Marshall and they tried to assassinate him. And he was like almost blown up in the Capitol building with some literal dynamite. So... What an interesting, uh, that'd be an interesting experience, I think. Oh, man. You, you think about it, and here's another episode idea. How many times the Capitol has been the subject of great drama? Amazing. You mean like every day? Yeah. I would just totally be stressed <laughs> out if I were guarding the place. Now, I know you got a lot of backup and everything, but kudos to the Capitol Police and all the people who we probably don't even know exist that are faithfully looking out for us when we go to the Capitol building and the other monuments. Definitely. I just can't imagine. Um, wow. What would we do without these folks who are looking out for us and for our lawmakers? It'd probably get blown up. Yeah. I mean, I hate to think about that, but it is, I don't know. I'm just, Filled with gratitude right now um, for all of the mistakes crazy people have made in oh, yeah. um, not being successful in their attempts. And, um, you know, for these people who are faithful in protecting us. And, and That's just the ones we hear about, too. I mean, there's probably plenty of, of things that are squashed before they ever get into the public's ears. I cannot imagine. Well, anyway, Marshall is going into a second term. And during the second term, with he and Wilson, you know, arm in arm, side by side, pretending to like each other in public, uh, the U.S. <laughs> That's like us. <laughs> the, the U.S. heads into World War One, And Marshall is like, you know what? I don't really like this war. Um, I think we're unprepared. I going to support it, though, because I'm the vice president, so I kind of need to. Uh, he, he's really impressed with Wilson's strategy that, you know, that he wants to build a military base before, not a, not a base, like a physical base, but like get a good group of military together and build them up before the war is actually declared. And then once the, the war effort actually begins, he's very supportive. Yeah. And so this is awesome, right? Because uh, Woodrow Wilson is like, hey, Marshall, get out there and uh, deliver some speeches and <laughs> encourage people to buy liberty bonds because that's what you do, right? When you're at war and it's the early part of the 20th century, you get people to buy war bonds. And Marshall's like, well, oh, that sounds like a good idea because, hey, I could use the extra money. 
<laughs> so uh, he's, you know, he's quoted as saying that this is a, a moral crusade to preserve the dignity of the state for the rights of the individuals. And guess what? You can pay me. What a clever guy, for real. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so uh, Marshall's wife, we haven't really talked about her yet. Her name is Lois. And she's really involved in a lot of different charities and uh, gives free meals to, to kids who can't afford them or can't eat and stuff like that. Well, in 1917, she becomes friends with a mother of twins. And one of them is pretty sick. And these parents, the, the lady she had become friends with, were really unable to get good treatment um, for the condition that the, the kid had. Well, Lois becomes very attached to the baby. And the baby's name was Clarence Ignatius Morrison. And says, you know what? I'm in a better position than you. I'll take him. I'll try to help him find some treatment, etc. I'll, I'll help your kid out. And, you know, this is essentially... Um, this is essentially a, a godsend for them because for, for both parties, but uh, Lois and Thomas had not been able to have kids at this point. And so after he's home, of course, Thomas, you know, he's, he's a little resistant to it at first, but he really learns to love him and uh, decides that he wants to take him basically as his own child. You know, they had basically adopted, even though they never officially adopted him uh, because, you know, it kind of looks weird. The kid's, parents are still alive so why would he be adopted by somebody else so they kept the situation pretty private and uh, things were all kind of they were above board but behind the scenes yeah and you can really see the sensitivity with marshall you know he's kind of like you know the hardened dude you know he's not gonna have his heart be warmed you know for some kid he said yeah you can keep the kid uh quote uh provided that he doesn't squall <laughs> uh, yeah, but but what ends ends up happening is Clarence wins over Marshall's heart, and he just says that uh, this child is beautiful as an angel, brilliant beyond his years, and lovable from every standpoint. So it'd make a great movie. Um, the tragic thing uh, with all of this is. is the baby is not doing well. Um, he lived uh, with the Marshalls. They called him Izzy. That was his nickname. And he was ill. And he passes away before his fourth birthday. This devastates Marshall. So you remember that President Wilson, if you listen to our episodes or know anything about Woodrow Wilson, he has a stroke in September of 1919. And then again, he has another stroke in October, and it pretty much leaves him, you know, partially paralyzed, um, definitely incapacitated. We don't know still to exactly what extent he was incapacitated, but we do know that um, his wife kind of helped run the show at that point. So Woodrow Wilson's advisor, Tumulty, says he didn't think that Thomas Marshall should be a good acting president and even goes as far as to kind of run interference and make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, not to mention that Edith Wilson pretty much hates Thomas Marshall because she calls him uncouth, which was probably due to the fact that he was a practical joker. He was a uh, you know he was very humorous. Um, he probably came off 
maybe even a little bit rude because that was just the type of personality he had. Uh, I know a little something about that. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not rude. Just people think I am sometimes. So does that make me rude or not? I don't know. I don't know. You've got that action going on, Ben, where I think you're, you're just a driven guy. Well, um, that's true. I don't think, though, that you seem rude. You're just what yeah. you see is what you get. That's right. Well, I think that was probably You're not supposed to agree with me. You're supposed to say, oh, shucks. Oh, shucks. There now, you go. see, you said what you see is what you get, and I was just giving you what you see. Well, I'm telling you what you need to be like. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Marshall pretty much says, hey, look, I need to know what's going on with Wilson. I need to know if I'm going to be the president at some point. And somebody from the Baltimore Sun says... Wilson's pretty much near death. And Marshall's like, oh, crap, I wasn't expecting that. I know I asked for the communication about it, but I did not want to think about that. Uh, so really, until Wilson is definitely 100% incapacitated or uh, passes away, Marshall's of the opinion that there's not enough of a precedent that he could really constitutionally assume those presidential powers. Yeah, and it gets really crazy because... Here, Wilson is really sick, and Mrs. Wilson is like, nope, you do not have access to Woodrow. As a matter of fact, only I, his wife, and the doctor, and a few close advisors are allowed to see him. And you're not going to know anything about his condition, and you're going to hear all these things, rumors, just like what Ben was talking about, and you're not going to be, you're not going to know any of this. Privy is not something that should be in your vocabulary. And get this. So he's in church. And he's there with some other officials. And a courier comes and says, hey, Wilson died. And Marshall's like, oh, I guess that means I'm important. <laughs> I guess I'll be the president. He announces the news to the congregation. The minister's hold a prayer. Uh, the congregation begins to sing and weep and Marshall and his wife leaves the building and they go to the white house and guess what? Wilson is still alive. It was Oops. a hoax. Yeah. So let's just put it this way. Marshall. Uh, yeah. He's the vice president for the rest of the time. Uh, Wilson lives to the end of his term. We'll talk about, some of the details of what was going on um, in the Wilson household. Not that we were flies on the wall or anything like that, but we'll, we'll talk <laughs> about that a little bit in the next episode. But yeah, Marshall's kind of relegated to doing the ceremonial thing for the rest of the term. They probably just said, don't say anything else, please. Yeah, probably. Well, in 1920 at the Democratic National Convention, uh, somebody enters his name, Marshall's name, as a candidate for the presidential nomination. And so he gets Thomas Taggart to basically have a, a group of people from Indiana there to support his bid. And it's unsuccessful. Pretty much nobody else is supportive of him except for the folks from Indiana. And ultimately he says, yeah, I'll, I'll support James Cox and, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt for vice president. Um, of course, they lose to Harding and Coolidge, but that's another episode. Whenever they did win, um, whenever Coolidge and Harding win, 
Thomas Marshall sends a note to Coolidge and says he offers him his sincere condolences for his misfortune in being elected vice president. So you can tell what kind of opinion Thomas Marshall had of the position. Like, I had a bad experience. (laughs) (laughs) So Marshall's like, "Um, yeah, I'm going to go back home to Indiana again. You people from Indiana, you're going to get that. And... uh, He's like, should I go back to Columbia City or should I go to Indianapolis? Uh, I think I'll go to Indy. And he was like, oh, Harding just nominated me to the Lincoln Memorial Commission. I think I will do that. But then a year later, (laughs) the Federal Coal Commission comes a calling and he does that for a bit. And then he resigns. In 1923, he writes a book because, let's face it, it's the 20th century and you can start making some serious cash when you write a book. And uh, he calls his book Recollections. It's a memoir. He's really letting his humorous side be known in it. But he goes around and speaks. He does the circuit. And um, in 1925, he is in Washington, D.C. on a trip. He has a heart attack while reading his Bible in bed. And uh, his wife is like, hey, doctor, doctor, help. But he's gone. And uh, they have a service there in Washington. And his body is returned back to Indianapolis and is laid in state. Many thousands of people came um, to the layout there. And so Marshall is buried at Crown Hill Cemetery in Indiana. And he is buried next to the grave of his adopted son, Izzy. Now, what happens to Marshall's wife? She moves to Arizona because that's what you do when you're from Indiana and you're no longer in the public life. You go to Arizona, look it up. You can Google that. You'll see that's what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She earns uh, some money um, by selling his memoir um, to a publisher, and she lives until 1958. What a weird life and weird presidency or vice presidency, I guess. Um, you know, historians have, have gone back and looked at Thomas Marshall's vice presidency. And some of them have said, yeah, he was a pretty good president or vice president. I mean, you know, he carries out all his duties and uh, was, was ready to assume the presidency and all that kind of stuff. And other people are like, no, nah, he's the worst vice president uh, in American history. So, Sorry, uh, I guess <laughs> basically, you know, if he had if he had uh, bumped Wilson out of being the president and assumed being the president, there could have been a lot of things that would have sped up the the League of Nation Treaty uh, in the night in nineteen twenty. It would have been faster. Things perhaps could have been uh, done more in European affairs that would have you know maybe even held off Adolf Hitler and all that kind of stuff. Of course, that's all just conjecture. There's no way to know for sure, but uh, you you can pretty much know that there's really wide varied opinions of Marshall uh, that people who know a lot more about history than we do think. Yeah. This is such a transitional period of time in world history. Um, not to mention U S history, or should I have said in U S history, not to mention world history because countries are dealing with each other in a completely different way because communication is better. Uh, you can, Really, you know, we've talked about bombs enough on this episode, but uh, nations are more capable of obliterating 
very quickly other right. countries. Not that that didn't happen before. It did, but it's just very quick that the world can be sent into um, war after having a relatively peaceful time. So I think everybody's heads were just spinning with all the activity that was going on. And, you know, then I, I just wonder had Theodore Roosevelt not been such a strong personality in his own right, if he would have been relegated to um, the role that we see Thomas R. Marshall in, where, oh yeah, he was McKinley's vice president, didn't do much, but TR had a very strong personality. Uh, he was very popular with people. Marshall just kind of did his thing. <laughs> right. He, he didn't force himself, you know, and we can talk about that. I, I think that, you know, certain women in the White House were very influential and, and wanted to make sure that the president indeed remained the president and nobody else could interfere with that. Right. Yeah. And that would be the first time we've, or first time or the last time that we've seen uh, a first lady, you know, boost or direct or whatever their husband, uh, the president a, a little bit, um, we we saw that with uh, a lot of people think that Hillary Clinton was pretty influential in Bill Clinton's policies and stuff, which, you know, she's a knowledgeable, influential individual herself. So, I mean, it's not like it's completely ridiculous that that would be the case, but um, we just don't, we typically think of, well, the president's the boss, not their wife. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not wrong to take cues from your wife and to ask their opinion, of course, but uh, certainly if you're incapacitated and your wife is, directing things that might be a little bit of a different story than just kind of giving you some hints and some pointers yeah hey ben you know it's really another interesting thing about this time period what's that is the whole president taft in the bathtub thing which oh yeah totally debunked but we got a new review and it's from president taft's bathtub How many people can say they got a review from the bathtub? Now, does that mean that that's the location or is it the actual tub giving the review? I like to think it's both. Oh, man, that's wow. But the review says from President Taft's bathtub, incredible work, really interesting and engrossing. I'm I'm engrossing. We're engrossing, Jason. We've always wanted to be something that had to do with gross that wasn't bad. In the bathtub. That's right. Man, now I've got all kinds of hymns going in my head with in the bathtub after every verse. Oh no! Ah. Hey, hey, and for those of you out there that want to leave a review like President Taft's bathtub did, uh, you can do so by going over to iTunes, leaving us a short little review. That'd be great. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you joined us in our little party we're having uh, over in the Election College Facebook group. I thought you, you were going to say in the bathtub. Not in the bathtub. Uh, stay out of my bathtub. Uh, <laughs> you can go to electioncollege.com slash group and find us there you can uh, request to be in the group and we'll, we'll invite you in and it's just a nice place where we can all chat about stuff yeah and I'm sure all of you are wondering what the giveaway is and who the winner is and all of that good stuff well guess what sometimes we record podcasts a week early because certain mayors on the podcast take trips and uh, yeah, that's the reason you need to be part of the group. So do it. That's right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it a lot, actually. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>